Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's that rebel music. It's that rebel music. About the old Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Joining me today, just like every week, very special episode. Been hyping this one for, I mean, at least since January uh, when Ole Miss first received the amended notice delegation, second notice delegations, whatever you want. Uh, it's The day is here. It's been 90 plus days. We have Ole Miss's response in hand. Going to go through it. I got my co host, John Stefanczyk, on the line. How you doing tonight, John? This is the best day of the year for me from Ole Miss. They actually released their NOA on D-Day. It's double down day for, I like it. I like for it. Ole Miss and Crooked Freeze and Little Ross and so, Goofy Jeff. It's it's here. It is. This it's is actually D-Day. Uh, I, we were talking before the show. Maybe there's some sort of a, a beach a beach storming uh, uh, comparison to be made here. I don't know. I'm not sure if uh, Ole Miss's strategy is going to work out quite Let's as just well. Put, Ole Miss is going brute force head in. There's Seems no like it, yeah. There, there are two, uh, two very powerful forces, at least moving very quickly, headed towards each other in this case, the NCAA and Ole Miss. And uh, oh, what if this becomes instead of saving Private Ryan, saving Coach Freeze? That's ex- <laughs> that's perfect. That's very good. Let's let me bring in our guest uh, back on the show for the first time in about a year. Resident non-legal advisor uh, dispenses the best non-legal advice of anyone I know. Uh, I wouldn't even call it advice. I'd, I'd call it just thoughts. Of course, in studio, got my man, William Bedwell in the house. What's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me back on, guys. Uh, I think it's been a year. Yeah. And we were doing this uh, NOA, NCAA business mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. summer. So uh, I got to ask, you know, when we did that show a year ago, I... I'll give my thoughts first. I mean, I definitely thought we weren't looking at another year before we even had a response. You know, it just felt like the timeline was further than along than it is now. We're basically back at square one. It feels like we're back at last May. It seems like I'm responded. doing the same yeah, thing exactly. here. <laughs> but, but you know, the difference now is um, there's there's more meat. There's more the meat on are this raised. bone. Yeah, the stakes are definitely raised, and and part of that is that. Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze have been charged with lack of institutional control. Hugh Freeze has been charged with failure to monitor. And Ole Miss kind of makes light of this uh, in its response. They basically say, um, despite no new evidence about Hugh Freeze being added to the second notice of allegations, they basically just tacked on the lack of institutional control and the failure to monitor, which, sure, to a sidewalk fan— you know, it sounds like, oh, you have a lot of cheating. That's lack of institutional control. It's actually a thing. You know, there are there's a definition to this charge. It has to do with not having an atmosphere of compliance. And, and Ole Miss spent about 50 of the 124 pages uh, pretty much just defending Freeze's attempts to establish atmosphere of compliance. I mean, I thought fairly convincingly. We're going to spend a lot of time on the show today talking about the allegations around student-athlete number 39. And you know, I think it's going to get confusing uh, if we try to limit ourselves to only using the redacted aliases. So I will say there's quite a bit of reporting out there, not from us, from uh, other other news sources. That student athlete number 39 is, in fact, uh, Mississippi State linebacker Leo Lewis. So that's, that's alleged. We'll just use that assumption for the rest of the show. Um, a lot of the new allegations stem from Leo Lewis's testimony things he told the NCAA, things that came out in so-called immunity interviews, which it still seems like is not very well defined. You know, what is the immunity? What does it really extend to? You know, we've been told uh, Lewis received immunity to talk about things that happened in his recruitment with Ole Miss, uh, but that anything that happened with other schools would not necessarily be covered by this immunity, meaning he could be negatively impacted, you know, he could lose eligibility, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you get into the Leo Lewis accusations, allegations, and Ole Miss's response to them, 
uh, which we, we will be doing, obviously. Um, that's really the fun part of this response, I'd say, is, is all the stuff around that. Um, you, you see that not only is his testimony jumbled and confusing at times and self-contradicting, it, it certainly seems to extend past simply being recruited by Ole Miss. I mean, he, at one point he even says that he was given $10,000 by another unnamed institution or representatives of such. Uh, which is strange. It, it's all very weird. Uh, if you're Leo Lewis, you know, presumably you agree to these interviews because you, you have dirt on Ole Miss, you know, your in-state rival. You're, you're going you're gonna to hurt Ole Miss. And, and sure, I, I think he, he has undamaged Ole Miss. We'll see how much is mitigated by this response and Ole Miss's attempts to damage his credibility. But it really seems like he just kind of waded into the, to the pond here and, and maybe is gotten in a little deep with, with some of the stuff he said. I mean, we'll see. We're talking about a completely autocratic body here that's not bound by any type of due process or anything like that. I mean, the NCAA... Wait, wait. Go on, John. Um, so, just an inside for the listeners, I've been... I delayed this podcast recording a couple hours on the guys because I spent, what, 13 hours at work today. So, I'm, I'm fl- flicking through the NOA for the first time. Which yeah. we like that's good. You know, me and me and Bebwell here, we've yeah. been looking at it for a few hours, formed some conclusions. Uh, the Leo Lewis uh, tweet being in here is hilarious. It but is the great. Fact that this uh, this already so page eighty four. This is fantastic. There's a sentence that says a text exchange between Freeze and Farrar from July of twenty fifteen demonstrates how these exchanges would go. This is re- referencing exchanges yeah, between no, Barney and Freeze on on doing things the right way. All right, wait, John, do you want to be Hugh Freeze or do you want to be Barney? I'll be Hugh Freeze. Uh, you be Hugh Freeze. I'm Barney. Please make sure we are handling things the right way. Coach, we are handling things the right way. Thank you. You're welcome, Coach. I totally understand that there is a lot on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, is this real? That seems that seems very normal <laughs> and like a, a normal conversation that people have between not robots. all the time. They're, there's definitely not. <laughs> is, no, is so... To South Park, where like the Jonas Brothers are handing out purity rings to little girls, like that's exactly what this text reads like. Yeah, I, I mean, and there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that, John. There's a lot of Hugh Freeze really. Ooh, Rebel Compliance Twitter accounts. And, oh, this is awesome. No, it is. It's. Great. I really, I think that you should, uh, you should, you should dive in when you have a chance because there's so much great stuff in here. And like I said, we're gonna spend a lot of time on the show reading all of uh, Ole Miss just dragging Leo. Uh, for various things, whether it's having ten thousand dollars cash and not buying anything for his for his baby, that's something that Ole Miss accuses accuses him of. Uh, Ole Miss, like you said, John published uh, the the Joker tweet that Leo sent. Ole Miss also floats the possibility, and we'll read the whole quote because it's so good. But Ole Miss quote floats the possibility that maybe Leo Lewis was uh, trying to disguise the source of cash he received around signing day. Pretty much just. You know, not not really skirting any uh, any conventions there. Just saying, you know, uh, he was paid by other schools. It would seem it's it's a very lawyerly document that, at the same time, just is very petty and throws a lot of shade at, at both Barney and. No, I have to give. I'm going to give them credit. They finally got on offense. Yeah, no, no I, I think you have to say it. Ball it, it ball. Some balls here. So yeah. that's that's a good transition. Let's read. Do you want to read it? Do you sure. want to read it? So Will's going to read this great passage. This is from like the, the third or fourth page. It's one of the first the things entire. I read, and I think it really sets the tone for the entire uh, document. So here, here, go ahead, Will. So it's overall the student athlete, 39, a.k.a. Leo Lewis, mm-hmm. uh, allegations present the committee with the opportunity to address an important question for the enforcement staff and the NCAA membership. Does an allegation of serious misconduct require corroboration beyond a general and inconsistent account of wrongdoing from a biased witness. Yes, that's there's a lot there's a lot packed in there in that sentence. Does an allegation of serious misconduct? It's certainly Leo Lewis's allegations are serious, you know. Um, yep. boosters uh, arranging for free merchandise, free food on top of that, a $10,000 payment coordinated by a coach. That's very serious. Does that account require corroboration? Beyond a general and inconsistent account of wrongdoing from a biased witness. And so I, I think Ole Miss is taking some liberties there to really paint Leo with a broad brush. But, I mean, it's a fair question, right? And so perhaps our first open-ended question of this show, um, John, if you want to answer this, I mean, 
if if these allegations are taken on their face by the NCAA, despite uh, the the conflicting or mitigating points Ole Miss has made about Lewis and his testimony specifically, you know, points where he contradicts us of all that. If the NCAA is to accept this, I mean, it would seem, you know, as an Ole Miss fan, we want this to be the case. It would seem they're opening themselves up to this president of rival. Uh, players just saying whatever they want about the other school, and now they have to investigate it. They have to prosecute it. I mean, it it doesn't seem like a healthy president. thing, president. Yeah, for the future of the NCAA and the member institutions, it's just weird. I mean, do you think that that's what it's setting up, John? Or, or as, as Ole Miss fans, are we just trying to make this bigger than just about us? I think he. I'm pretty. I think this is something that most people generally seem to be getting agreeing on and I haven't really been able to research this much, but this is the sense I, what little bit I have is this is the sense is that if this was the court of law and Mm -hmm. by the way, tell me what you think that Leo Lewis would be destroyed from a credibility standpoint. Oh yeah. Well, I think the self-imposed bit would stay. Now the question is, so that's the court of law. This is not the court of law. This is the committee of infractions. Far from it. So what happens from the C, what happens with the COI is really pretty fascinating. At face value, they should more or less say, you know, the COI should probably say, you know what, this guy's shaky. The investigators had a vendetta against Freeze. Freeze isn't clean, but you know what, we'll slap them with a, you know, with two game suspension or whatever, and. You keep the ball ban at one year. You don't blow up the program. You get 11 self-imposed, and it's dragged on so much, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, they used the Tunsil draft night thing to extend it. They never found anything additional on Tunsil, et cetera. Right. That's probably – the COI probably should take um, so Ole Miss' self-imposed and then add, I'd say, a two- to six-game suspension of freeze. Because yeah. – at this point, Freeze, I mean, Freeze is when he's not getting fired. Ole Miss is for, for and this is a whole separate topic. We, we may not get, get to it. Yeah. Ole Miss and its you know, core boosters administration is all in behind Freeze. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. We can talk, but let's not get into that for a minute. Mm-hmm. But the point, but that's probably what fair should be. But the COI can go do whatever the hell they want. Do they go on a big power trip to remind everybody they're still powerful because North Carolina gave them a big hand wave? I think it's certainly in their mind. They're, they're definitely considering, okay, do we need to show our teeth on this? It's, an, it's a possibility. If they, if they show their teeth, they're then saying, basically, we're going to let open season happen because you can let you know immunity be granted. Well, they're basically people... saying every witness is credible or, or, uh, or we decide who's credible and who's not. If, if, if they really expand the punishment, then so now the standard is: Do you have? Should you go investigate everybody doing a he said, she said going forward? Which who has the? Well, they, they don't have the time, means, right. and resources to practically do that. Every so, fan base has a Steve Robertson ridiculous. reporting their. It, it's really fascinating. Yeah. We Ole Miss may just get screwed as a one-off here. Now right. they part of it's doing to themselves and being sloppy, hmm. but yeah, it's interesting what happens. I. I To me, going off, sorry, John, uh, going off what you said about how, you know, that precedent sets what the NCAA will have to do from now on and that they can choose, I think, Justin, you said, if they think their witness is credible or not. In this case, I mean, the the big thing is them not allowing Ole Miss to cross-examine Leo Lewis. So from now on, John, I don't know if you've heard about this. Yeah, go ahead. It Um, seems like they might have violated their own procedural guidelines on how you do an investigation. mm -hmm. So how how big is how big of a deal is that? Is the question right? And that's what I was saying going forward that if uh, it's open season and they don't even have to give the victim, the the school, the accused school, an opportunity to try and attack credibility. Right. It's baffling until I mean, the, your response. But the NCAA yeah. has is the NCAA is blatantly biased towards big proven institutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, it, it's been proven time and time again. Whether you see whether it's, I mean, the way Alabama penalties get handled. Right. You look at um, I mean, look at Penn State having their penalties amended after a year. Well, Stanford basically, you know, they they like Stanford, you know, appearing clean, so they slap them on the wrist. 
Um, the Ohio State guys, the Terrell Pryor, they, they were allowed to play in that Sugar Bowl when they should have been suspended for the tat thing. For, for They're motivated by ratings, money, and then legacy institutions, which draw the biggest biggest ratings, et cetera. They're clearly – that's how the NSA operates. Right. And Ole Miss may get screwed. Uh, maybe they get screwed to the point that everybody looks at it and says, NCAA, you are a complete joke. We're going to break away. I don't know if it would actually do that or if the fact that, you know, your Ohio State, your Alabama's of the world have enough control where they keep it in line. I mean, who knows? There's a bunch of different interesting kind of more, I'd say, macro-level items here. Yeah, for sure. Um, elite Dogs and Scout.com and the, the Ole Miss Spear are going to get tied up in the Leo Lewis bit. Um I don't care that much about the details. I mean, he's clearly not credible. The only two details I care about is he's not credible. And I'm really disappointed that he was not student athlete 38. Is right. Chucky Mullins. Oh, okay. uh, no. <laughs> Mullins. That would have been all kinds of fun. For I know. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think that the Leo stuff is important because I, I think that what Ole Miss is thinking is if you can get – Everything that came out of Leo's testimony dismissed. That includes free food from Funkies. It includes um, uh, what was the other missile? No, obviously the that's, cash that, payment. That's Booster Eleven. Booster number eleven. <laughs> we, we're 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 thinking that's Funkies. And and they're also there. Uh, let me finish my point, and then I'll circle back around to this. I think if Ole Miss thinks that they can get this stuff thrown out, that's also the Rebel Rag stuff. That's what I was forgetting. The free Rebel Rags merch, the Funky is the $10,000 payment from the lawyer in Ridgeland. Uh, I believe that's booster number 14. I think Ole Miss thinks if they can undermine Lewis's credibility to the point where those allegations are removed by the COI, um, that also would take away the failure to monitor, lack of institutional control, uh, and that would basically leave Ole Miss with their self-imposed penalties. And I think that's that's the only reason the Leo Lewis stuff is important is because I, I think if they're included, the enforcement staff is going to make the argument that it constitutes like institutional control. It constitutes failure to monitor because Barney was so integrally involved. Part of separating it will be removing Lewis's credibility and setting up Barney as a rogue agent, which this in a way sets out to do, in a way response sets out to do, um, and if you can pull off both of those things, I think then maybe you get away with the one-year bull ban. I, there, it's, Ole Miss is obviously trying to avoid two things very, very seriously. Um, a show calls for Hugh Freeze and a two-year bull ban because um, – yeah, And more, more than 15 scholarships. I think that's the line you got to draw. Yeah, honestly, so to, to, honestly to, the scholarships and the two-year bowl ban to me – are more important to protect than freezing. Well, I think so. Day. I think so too. But let me circle back around on you were saying. You know, why is it so important to preserve freeze? I don't know for sure. I think the most logical answer, and it's really a lot of different answers. You know, we talked about it in the past on the show. There are segments of the fan base that just love freeze for the persona he projects off the field. There are segments of the fan base that love the Sugar Bowl thing, that love beating Alabama back to back for the first time ever. You know, there's a lot of different reasons people like Freeze. I think the administration is thinking, and this is based uh, off a of Barrett Salee tweet I saw this afternoon, I think, you know, if you get hammered with scholarship reductions, a one- or two-year bowl ban, and you lose Freeze, now you have to go find someone that is actually going to be able to do a moderately okay job at Ole Miss with scholarship reductions. You know Freeze has already done it. You know, Freeze, Freeze already had 2012, you know, and put put a decent team on the field. I think it's a question of, you know, if you're going to be hammered either way, if you lose freeze, you also have to figure out who's going to be able to work with your team. And you might just, I, I think it's more likely that you have like three years just totally gone with, with you know, two and 10, three and nine, if you lose freeze. I think freeze is more likely to keep you in the six and six range, even with scholarship restrictions. I don't know about you ever, that. Who, who, I mean, obviously we can't think of specific names, but can you really imagine someone coming in with massive scholarship reductions and on the heels of losing freeze and being able to put together? I don't know. It would be a Bill, very tall task. Bill O'Brien went into Penn State. Nobody had heard of him and did pretty good. Okay, uh, that's also Penn State, though. Yeah, but they weren't what they were. I mean, yeah, but they still had the Penn State brand. You know what I thought was interesting was was Rebel Grove had an interview. The 
uh, Beer Garden with Neil McCready, they interviewed Stephen Godfrey. And I, I think Godfrey is as knowledgeable as anybody in college football understanding kind of the macro national picture. He's no, I, I think he's kind of pioneered that beat, honestly. I mean, his Bagman piece is is the starting point, I feel he, like, if you want to understand CSB. I think he's as good, arguably, the best guy covering college football. I think that's right. And, Especially Godfrey, this aspect of it, the CD aspect of it. And Godfrey, what was interesting was he he's, he thinks the Ole Miss job overall from a money and resource standpoint, given that Ross has built facilities and with the SEC T, network TV contract and Ole Miss has, has increased its financial equipment over the past few years, is really an attractive job overall. He said top 15, right? He said top 15. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's top 15, but the point is he thinks they can go get it. I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when you look at the top coaching salaries in the country, I mean, the SEC is, is a higher tier than anywhere else, top to bottom. Oh, I mean, yeah. and Ole Miss is paying people. I mean, Ole Miss is willing to pay $4 million plus for a head coach. They can go get somebody. It's true, I mean, but are you, are you looking at I mean, a – Brett Bielema left a 12-win gig at Wisconsin to go chase money at Arkansas. To chase People, money, but he wasn't walking into a situation that was already already sanctioned, you know? He he had a blank slate to work with. Yeah, he also had to convert that team from, from a totally inverse roster of how he plays football. But that was his choice. I, I'm just saying, there's a difference in a guy like Bielema seeing a program that's an opportunity and a challenge versus a young up-and-coming guy or even a, another, you know, a Bielema analog seeing a program that's going to have several years of unfair disadvantages before you I, even... I think the guy comes into all this and gets three years before he's really even judged for anything because, oh, he had to clean up the and oh... And that might appeal to some coaches, but I all, I think if you're looking at an up-and-comer, like, what's the guy in Colorado, like, like McIntyre or whatever, like, are they really yeah. going to be willing to stall their career out for that time period? Like, I really think you're looking more at, like, a a less miles or something. No, I don't agree with that. I'm not saying who it should be. I'm saying who you're going to end up with. I mean, maybe you pluck another freeze out of obscurity. I just don't think it's anyone that's on any hot boards. I told you what I'd do. Go get Frank Wilson. Go yeah. recruit. Have at it. But why hasn't he been a head coach before? He's head coach at UTSA right now. He's oh, yeah. turning the road runners into road grades. You're right. You're right. You're right. I feel like Will's got something to say. Um, yeah, my question, uh, I, I was interested you guys took it that way is why we need to keep Hugh Freeze just the on-the-field aspect. But mine is how much is the administration's desire to keep Freeze just a public image mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. situation? That's definitely that, that if we That if we have to can him, I mean, that's ultimately we were – totally cheating doing everything wrong that if well, we can just keep him that's some level of and i'll tack on tack some on lack of that. guilt how yeah. much of it is just uh <laughs> screw you i'm not going to give you what you want right right, right. i mean like whether it's how, how much blame. of it is freeze is you know very open with his faith and that really resonates with the core fan base right oh, yeah. I, I i think that's a big part of it especially because yeah. you guys are things. in the middle of that culture down there and up here in new hampshire it is not a not exactly that way. Yeah, so, true. But I think also bit. you get on any Ole Miss message board and you see it. I mean, you see the people that just blindly are going to have faith and freeze because they like him as a person. That's I think that's a part of it. And then I think the, in the administration, I think you do have some of that among the boosters. I mean, I think there are boosters that are just in the cult of personality for freeze. Um, and I also think that there's dissident voices in the Ole Miss booster and larger scene very lacking. Not not a lot of people that are that are willing to go against Hugh Freeze and the the conventional wisdom on that. Even with all the stuff that's happened in the last six months, it's still an outsider opinion. Um, yeah. I don't know. Let's uh let's move into let's let's um talk about some of the Leo Lewis stuff because it's really fun. Some of the stuff that Ole Miss published in here. Um, first of, before we get into that, I'll set it up. I, I think Ole Miss did a great job here in section B of the introduction, breaking down the different allegations. So. Obviously, you got the 2010 David Saunders allegations. We don't need to talk about that. We've been talking about it for a long time. It involved ACT fraud. It's a big deal. Had nothing to do with current coaching staff or administrators. Um, the second group are the level three allegations. I believe these are mostly self-reported. This is stuff like that video that Ole Miss allegedly 
shot where they were wearing jerseys and stuff. This is really ticky-tacky stuff. This is stuff that happens at every school. It gets supported at every school. Not a big deal. Um, section three, the 2012 to 2013 recruiting cycle allegations. So this is strange because I, I guess this is including the loner cars. Yeah, the Chris Kiffin lodging. Basically all that crap that a year ago we were saying. They got nothing on Ole Miss. It's, it's still not really much. Section four, Barney Farrar allegations. Um, so these are these are a big deal. Uh, somehow they have these separate from the uh, Leo Lewis allegations, I guess because these are specific charges uh, targeted at Barney, um, as opposed to the whole program. Section five booster related allegations. Um, I think this includes like the ten thousand dollar payment. Uh, I guess, uh, and the second section, yeah, of section five is the uh, the Leo Lewis allegations, uh, and then the sixth section is the head coach responsibility allegations. So that's. That's a lot of the compliance stuff. Uh, it's like, and then there's lack of institutional control allegation, all that stuff. So after the Leo Lewis stuff, the most of the rest of it is stuff like those text messages that John and I dramatically performed. It's just pretty, pretty boring evidence about how Freeze, you know, actually does care about compliance, guys. Uh, there's a conversation in there that he had with Barney about Barney's burner phone, where he said. Hello, Mr. Farrar. You aren't using a burner phone, are you? And he was like, "Sir, I would never." You know, it's very, it's very similar. It sounds to uh, the text messages we were talking about. Um, I mean, I feel like we should touch on it again. You know, this is not a naive podcast. Old Miss is obviously trying to make this case that Barney Farrar was a rogue agent. Uh, really doesn't jive with what we've been told about Hugh Freeze and the way he views recruiting, the way he runs recruiting. Um, and just the fact that Barney Farrar was on staff to begin with. I mean, we talked about it last week, how, you know, he was basically the designated bag man. Um, part of that would seem to be, you know, using a burner phone, uh, arranging with booster, you know, all of the stuff that we're claiming Ole Miss had no idea he was doing. I would think that was pretty much in the job description, more or less. So that we should just throw that out there. I'm just saying. We're not naive enough to, to really believe this up at face value. I know there's a lot on you, Coach. I know there's a lot on you, Coach. That's that's good. That's really good. That's got to be uh, in the description of this episode, I'd say. A L- little bit of a, a question here. All right. I'm going to – a little bit off topic from where you're at, Sanders, so apologies in advance. No, that's okay. So we've called Freeze, Crooked Hugh Freeze, which yeah, refers have, to yeah, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, you've done and that, yeah. I've compared Freeze to Trump, so – do we think Freeze is more Trump-like or Hillary-like? Hmm. In, 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 I thought he was Putin. A... This is a mastermind. Hmm. Freeze is a mastermind? A KGB mastermind. I, I would say... Well, you're joking, right? Freeze is not oh, that smart. Okay, yeah. Um, Freeze honestly, had below a 3. He had a 2.9 GPA at 7. Honestly, John, I, I think Freeze is probably more like Bill than like Hillary or Donald. Ooh. I would say he because he peed on his wife too. I like that angle. Yeah, he's yeah. There's a little there's a, there's a little alleged Allegedly. there's a little alleged womanizing thrown in there, but I I think it's more about having this public persona um, that's very likable and very one way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and very you know I'm from the south and I don't really know, but then privately you know you have. You have uh, much more self-centered and self-motivated, um, you know, intentions. You 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 definitely have some shady shit going on. You're maybe not that good at hiding it or pulling it off uh, totally flawlessly. The um, so Barney's like Whitewater, basically. Oh, we weren't really involved. Blah blah blah. Yeah, Barney. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Leo Lewis is like Jennifer Flowers or something like that, or or Monica or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer yeah. Flowers. Jennifer Flowers is a good is a good pull for sure. Um, but yeah, no, and I, and I think, I think at the end of the day, they're both probably nice guys that think too much of themselves and, and maybe think too much of their ability to, uh, you know, Machiavellian, just, just be a step ahead of everyone else. And I'm not sure they really are. I mean, obviously it all came crashing down around Bill, uh, with the whole impeachment proceedings. And I think we're, we're seeing a microcosm of that, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze's version of reckoning here. Um, Let's see, where were we? We were talking about, we were talking about Leo. We were going to get into some of these allegations. It's really good. I mean, Ole Miss really just, they said the gloves are off. Leo Lewis, what you got here? Uh, yeah, we talked about, we, we talked about how, you know, the idea is, 
if Ole Miss is able to contest what they're contesting, they're going for that self-imposed for sure. I think that's got to be the idea. Um, yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, okay, hold on. Here we go. Allegation number 9B, student-athlete 39. Um, so we start out talking about the Rebel Rag stuff. It says, uh, Leo loses allegations about the owner of Rebel Rags are among the least general he made during his three interviews uh, as he provided a relatively detailed account. So even even in the boilerplate like intro sentence, we're just kind of shitting on his testimony and his credibility. We're saying these are the least general that he made, uh, but they're still only relatively detailed. Uh, he said, Leo Lewis's accounts were inconsistent from interview to interview. In one interview, he claimed he was given a credit card-sized gift card. And another, he claimed the individual who took him to the store possessed a similar card with "quote unquote" four hundred dollars on it. Uh, and then we we got lots. Of, John, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but it's just full of direct quotes from interviews and stuff. So you get like great off the cuff Leo Lewis direct quotes. Uh, I had when I got there, there was like this guy, and I want to say they gave me like this gift card, which I seen it, but I never actually touched it. So he had ar- he had it already, and once I got my gear, they just. You know, they handed it, they handled it how they handled it, I guess. Uh, so that's real eliminating. And then in the next interview, he said, yeah, I had a card. The card had a 400 on there. I just know I gave him the card, and I didn't get the card back either. Uh, and then the next part says, either way, what Leo Lewis described did not happen. Uh, Booster 9, Rebel Rag's owner, explained there are a limited number of ways in which merchandise can leave a store, aside from outright theft, and none that do not require the customer's direct and immediate payment. Uh, they said a customer like Leo Lewis could have possibly purchased merchandise, merchandise with a gift card uh, or a prepaid credit card. Uh, however, uh, Rebel Rags only has three gift cards and an amount of more than $250, and its records confirm none of these gift cards are redeemed in the summer of 2014. So that's, that's pretty funny there. Um, the next part that, that kind of fell apart on him was Leo Lewis also provided his detailed and specific recollection of the cashier removing security tags from the clothing items. But Rebel Rags never used security clips on merchandise, uh, including or indicating that Leo Lewis's memory is at best faulty or what he alleged did not happen. Um, quote from Rebel Rags owner, we don't even have security clips. There's no security clips on any product in the store, not one item. Um, it says, moreover, there is no evidence that Leo Lewis ever possessed these shorts, sweatpants, t-shirts, and baseball jerseys he allegedly received from Rebel Rags. He admitted in his third interview he does not have any documentary evidence of having possessed these items. Um, Leo Lewis's closest friends, at least three of them, who went with him on unofficial visits to Oxford and elsewhere, never saw him with a bag of clothing from Rebel Rags or otherwise wearing the sick merchandise. So Leo Lewis has these people that are with him on visits. These are family members, friends, handlers, supposedly. He also has decided he's going to tell the NCAA about this, this Rebel Rags uh, inducement. But he doesn't fill in the people that are with him on these visits and tell them that he's going to tell this story. And when the NCAA interviews them, they're like, no, we never heard of this. I mean, honestly, and this is part of a larger picture that's painted over and over. Ole Miss is trying to paint Lewis as a liar, credibility issues, and that's fine. I think also what you see when you, when you read this stuff and you see the different ways the story changed, the different things he tried to sell and then change later in the story – he just doesn't come across as in very bright. Who who's coaching him? I guess was my yeah, question. and I think Will is is, is dead on here. I mean, I, I don't think these are things that he's just making up on of his own volition, and it wouldn't make sense if he was. I mean, we're looking for incentive here, right? Like, who has incentive to say these things? It's not really Leo Lewis. There are definitely people at state that want to see Ole Miss go down any means necessary. Yeah, yeah. Did, did Leo even want to say these things at all, or did state tell him, you got to go talk, you got to go talk? Or, and John, did did what? state tell him, no, did did someone pay him? That that is what, That is makes a lot more sense as to why he would be interested in doing this at all, right? I mean, they, they, Jeffrey Simmons could have done this, and he didn't. I, I don't think anyone said, hey, you've got to do this. I think someone said, hey, Leo – and I, I personally think this happened early in his recruitment, long before he even committed to Alabama or Ole Miss. I think they said, you know, you're going to have an opportunity during this to talk to a lot of different people, a lot of different schools, and maybe you're going to find out some unsavory things about them. 
you know, let's let's enter into this this scheme. And I obviously I don't have any evidence for that. I'm just trying to Occam's razor this thing, figure out what motivation does Leo Lewis possibly have to endanger his eligibility and admit receiving illicit payments that, you know, could get him in other trouble outside of the NCAA even. You know, what why would he do this if there wasn't some exterior motivation? I think it's it may even just be one crazy state, you know, state fan associate not yeah not no, it, it could problem. certainly be but we've also heard that these directives are coming from mullen and strickland uh on you know you gotta you gotta make sure you tell them everything that happened wink wink nudge nudge you know make sure you tell them the bad stuff about old miss so i think it's, it's i think it's really you know i'll get, i'll go play high horse from there it's really sad oh, yeah. that that's what state's obsessed about I mean, well, I mean, they're celebrating as much as they were celebrating on the egg bowl. I mean, you know, this is a big win for them. This is, I don't know if, I know you haven't, John, but if anyone's ever been on Elite Dogs in the last six months, literally one out of every two users over there has an avatar with an NCAA logo in it. They're, they're obsessed with this. They think this is the greatest thing to ever happen because they have this idea in their head that Ole Miss was cheating above and beyond everyone else. Once again, no evidence of that in these allegations. The only the only evidence of any pay for play coming from a rival player, and there's no corroboration as we'll get to. Uh, Ole Miss has tried to cast quite a bit of doubt on his story, even though um, flip side of that, there are definitely some holes and some weird incriminating things uh, facing Ole Miss on this, um, and they're acknowledged in the notes allegations, and we'll get there. Um, like I said, John, the, the Leo stuff is really the most interesting part, so I'm spending a lot of time on it. We're not really going to spend any time on the other specific allegations or anything. Um, but I do enjoy the, I enjoy the level of detail that it's in the response here. Um, okay, so we were talking about how there was no evidence he ever had the clothes, right? So it says, finally, Leo Lewis asserts he gave most of his Rebel Rags clothing away to his friend. Um, and sorry if it's still the way I'm reading this. There's a lot of redactions that I'm reading around here. So his friend did not respond to the enforcement staff's request for an interview. The university is unaware of Leo Lewis requesting that the friend produce the, the items. This is where it gets really funny. So basically, Ole Miss is about to admit that they paid a law firm to stalk this kid's Facebook. So although Leo Lewis's friend has a prodigious social media presence, and Leo, Lewis's cla- Leo Lewis claims that his friend was a fan of the university's football team, University has been unable to locate a single photograph of the friend wearing any clothing items that Leo Lewis allegedly gave him. And then it says, see exhibit 9-3, facebook.com capture. So in the official document, there's, there's a capture of this kid's Facebook wherein he is not wearing any old Miss gear. And it said, there's nothing from the record to corroborate uh, his statement that the gear was either lost or handed over. Given the dearth of this evidence, committee should find that uh, it's not supported by the factual record. Um, and then the next part goes into talking about Kobe Jones, who was trying to corroborate Leo's story. And he's an athlete 40. Uh, Leo's 39. Um, it's a lot of the same. It says that the claims are not corroborated. Um, this part's good. Further, every neutral or disinterested witness who was asked about Kobe Jones's claims not only fails to corroborate them, but adamantly denies them. High school coach once, uh, Kobe's high school coach, who he claimed took him on most of his visits, was unequivocal. Kobe never received or purchased any items from Rebel Rags, save a baseball cap and shirt that the coach purchased for him on any of their trips. Um, uh, His claims are further rebutted by other student-athletes, including recruits from his class. And so at this point, Ole Miss has an infographic where it looks like about 10 different student-athletes and family members were asked um, and they all said that uh, Rebel Rags didn't give them anything. Uh, student athlete number 42, I, I, think, I think we're supposed to assume this is Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, so the NCAA asked, Rebel Rags didn't hook you up with anything? Uh, 42 said, no, sir. I mean, I haven't. I mean, I because you know, you know what I mean. I don't really know where I was going at that time. So, I mean, I just don't want to get so much gear. But I did get the pullover and joggers. That I did get. NCAA said, and you bought that yourself? He said, yes, sir, I did. And then it said, this recollection is not unique. So they talked to a bunch of former recruits, student athletes. They all said, I didn't get anything at Rebel Rags. Uh, some of them did admit that they bought stuff at Rebel Rags. I know that's crazy. Um, that they might wear on signing day or something. So it, it, And so a few different things here. The no security tags, 
No corroboration. The clothing can never be found again. No one's ever seen it. The story about the gift cards changed. Um, there's a lot of different reasons that this... Basically, there's no evidence for this allegation other than what Jones and Lewis said. So I, you know, I, think, I have, Go ahead. I have to say, I, I really... You know, coming into this, really couldn't care less about all the details behind Leo Lewis. Mm-hmm. This is actually pretty interesting, entertaining. No, I know. I th- that's what I'm like at the Leo Lewis section where they go into his individual allegations and the way he presented them and the way they were inconsistent. Really interesting. And we got about 20 minutes left on the hour here. Got to get to 16. I think we'll get. I mean, I think we'll spend it just going through some of this the stuff that he said because it's it's very it's very interesting trying to get inside of his head and figure out you know where was this coming from? Why was he saying this stuff? Like like Will said, who was coaching him? You know who's putting this stuff in his head. Um, so that's the Rebel Rags allegation. It, it seems like he just completely made it up. As I said earlier, you know we're not trying to be naive about this stuff. There are allegations he made that are very fishy for Ole Miss, um, specifically uh, his interactions with the Ridgeland lawyer. They're going to get to um, in the last part of talking about him. Uh, but this one, I, the, on this one, it seems like they basically got greedy when it came to shitting on Ole Miss. And they were like, what's that store that advertises on all the Ole Miss stuff? Yeah, yeah, that guy gave us stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, we got a bunch of Ole Miss stuff there. Um, it just, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem very credible. Um, I'm skipping through my document here. Um, okay, allegation number 11. And so part and part of why it's so muddled is that Ole Miss is kind of just like quietly accepting some of the stuff Leo Lewis alleged, and so that kind of speaks to Ole Miss's credibility in all this. I feel like that we're kind of denying what we can. You know, stop me if I'm getting too far ahead, yeah. uh, but I was going to get to the big the big money allegation by Leo Lewis, where we admit that he was in contact the whole right. time. He says he was getting paid. He was in contact with Barney. He was in contact with. Booster. No, it's bad. Booster fourteen. Uh, Booster fourteen. It's really bad. And we let's talk. About, and we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get skip, into that. Let's skip to that one. Um, we're gonna we're gonna skip over. Uh, there's one where Leo said that Freeze visited him at his high school. Um, there's there's some about lodging. There's some about free food at Funky's. Honestly, the Funky stuff is kind of boring. I'll hit it high level so we can move on to the more interesting allegation. Uh, Lewis says that he would go to Funky's, the owner would be there, he would give them free food and drinks, sometimes he gave them cash payments, I think Leo gave like 10 different weekends, which by the way, it's kind of weird, he was going to Oxford that often, uh, probably doesn't help him as his case, honestly, but um, 10 different weekends, and the owner of Funky's was able to prove he wasn't there for like 5 of them or something, it's, it's, it's honestly not the most compelling stuff, that, as far as Ole Miss's case, it's fairly compelling against him, you know, they have records of the Funky's owner texting Leo in February. He denied that he had did that when the NCAA first interviewed him. Uh, that doesn't look great. They have records of Barney and Freeze both texting with this guy, the owner of Funky's. Um, you know, if it was just Freeze, that'd be one thing. We know Freeze is a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge regular at Funky's. Um, See him there all some, the time. Heard some other stories about him in relation to that institution. Um, but we know he is friends with the owner and, you know, we've heard he gets pizza for the team and shit like that. But the fact that Barney was texting the owner of Funkies and the owner of Funkies was also texting recruits like Leo Lewis, not great, not good at all. And see, this is, this kind of evidence is what makes me think the NCAA can just disregard all of the mitigators Ole Miss has presented really and said, there's still enough. There, there are enough damning and there's enough smoke here that there has to be fire. So that's very, it's a very real possibility. I don't want to get carried away and all of the funny parts where Ole Miss dunked on Leo or whatever and make it seem like, you know, there's an airtight case here. There's still a lot of weird stuff going on with Ole Miss. And let's get into, let's get into what Will was talking about because that kind of covers, that covers the Funkies thing. Um, there's an allegation about staying in a motel. And honestly, I, that, I don't totally understand that one. I don't know which motel it is. I, I guess he could have gotten free rooms. I don't really know. Um, all right, sorry, flipping through the pages here. Okay, here we go. Um, okay. I think it's allegation number 16, yeah. I believe. Yeah, sure. A, B, and C. Yeah. So, let's look at the actual language of the allegations, which we haven't been doing a lot of. Yeah, I'm on 48. Okay. 
So, this is the actual language of the violation. It is alleged between April 2014 and February 2015, so that's that would have been when he signed. Uh, Booster 14, that's the lawyer from Ridgeland, um, assisted the institution in its recruitment of Leo Lewis by engaging in recruiting acti- activities, uh, included impermissible contact and communication, and providing him with between 13000 and 15600 in impermissible cash payments. Um in addition for the recruiting activities, he arranged for uh, another booster, number 12, who we think is one of his employees, uh, to make recruiting contact and deliver multiple payments. Further, Barney Farrar uh, initiated and facilitated. And I'm skipping over this part, but it actually it, it probably is relevant. Barney Farrar, then assistant athletic director for high school and junior college relations for football. I mean, like, it's... That's that's kind of what you're up against when you're saying there is no lack of institutional control. We literally made the bag man an assistant athletic director of some kind. I'm just saying that that's not great. Um, they say Barney initiated and facilitated um, the two boosters, meaning the lawyer and his secretary or his paralegal or whatever. He facilitated their contact and communication and knew at the time that he was providing Leo Lewis with cash payments. Specifically, uh, between April and February, um, impermissible phone contact. Uh, here's the part about we're gonna call her Phyllis because in one of the in one of the footnotes, uh, specifically, what footnote number do you have written down? Yeah, it's uh, 65. Specifically, footnote number 65. And for those of you listening at home, uh, playing along with us, you can you can pull out your own handy anyway response. Check this out. Ole Miss seems to have uh, forgotten to redact her name. So just for the for the uh, sake of brevity, we'll we'll, we'll call her Phyllis. Um, she worked for the lawyer. It said he arranged cash payments between five hundred and eight hundred dollars using Phyllis as the courier. Um, combined monetary value was between three thousand and five thousand six hundred. Additionally, Barney Farrar knew at the time that this was happening. Um, and then on February third, so this would be the day before signing day. Uh, the lawyer provided Leo Lewis with ten thousand dollars in cash. Honestly, I wish we knew his name because it feels unfair that we're calling him. We're calling Leo Leo. And we're calling her Phyllis, 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 and we don't know his damn name. But uh, we'll try to figure that out. I'm sure it'll it'll be all on the message board soon um, with cash payments. So this is obviously a very 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 serious accusation. You have, as I mentioned, your gaudily named assistant athletic director. Uh, yeah, what is it? What you got here? Um, facilitating payments. Um, oh yeah. So th- this is, this is, this is, this is the old miss that, that speaks the to the magnitude spin on it. Yeah, we have I guess I, I think, I think this is kind of silly. <laughs> this old miss says allegation number 16 C that's the $10,000 payment is perhaps the most quote unquote headline worthy claim that Leo Lewis raised during this investigation. And it is an alleg- it is the allegation that is the most refuted or undermined by objective evidence. And while that that that's some wishful thinking for sure, I I don't. Well, I, 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 we talked about this before yeah. the show that it's hard to quickly because they quickly admit that they were all in contact. Right, right. Ole Miss, Ole Miss we admit can't 16A deny. Ole Miss can't deny the contact because they have the phone records from Leo Lewis. They have the phone records from Barney's official university phone. But from this contact, no money. Right, right. So Ole Miss is that. trying to say. Uh, that and they go on to cast doubt about details of Lewis's story. Although you could still construct a version of events that is still plausible and logical, um, and, and simply assume that he misremembered and, and misstated the story. Uh, but basically, yeah, Will's exactly right. Ole Miss sets out in this part of the response to say, yes, that contact that you can prove did happen, but you can't prove the payments. And so while that may be true that you can't, you know, affirmatively prove them, I think there certainly becomes a point where the evidence is such that, you know, what what else are you arranging contact between a booster and a student athlete to do, right? Like do you think do you think Barney was just like, "Hey, lawyer, why don't you call Lewis and talk to him about how nice the Grove is?" Right? Like I, that's not that's not what was going on at all, right? So, John, do you understand? Do you understand the actual meat of that allegation? He was sending his secretary to meet Leo on a monthly basis to give him five hundred dollars, and then the day before signing day, the lawyer himself 
gave him ten thousand dollars is what Lewis alleges. Does that all does that all track so far? I'm gonna say it does. We might John, you still there? We, 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 we got John still. We might have lost John. Alright, well, we're still recording. I see this here. We're gonna plow right ahead. You know, John probably got up to go to the bathroom or something. He knew I was in the middle of a uh, a spiel. So I'm gonna keep on going. Um Okay, so this this part's good. In his first interview, Leo Lewis claimed a woman named name one, we're gonna say Phyllis, with quote unquote goldish hair who worked for a lawyer, gave him $500 to $800 on six or seven occasions. So I just want to point out here, Leo Lewis doesn't know the word blonde, apparently, or just forgot it during this interview with the NCAA. So that's, that's something of note, I would say. That's interesting. So she has goldish hair. Um, they're made monthly in person at or near location one area. Not sure where that is. Um, Leo Lewis explained the payments were intended to help him care for his daughter, who was born two to three months before the meetings began. He said that he always went alone to meet them. Uh, the only person he would have told about the payments was his cousin and closest friend. Um, you're right, not his sister, his cousin. cousin. Uh, the phone records reference support his claim. So this is kind of where it gets sticky for Ole Miss. Uh, that he and Booster 12 first began to communicate in late March 2014. Uh, and that this contact continued on an intermittent basis through September 2015. Um, he was also able to describe Phyllis's general appearance as well as two of her vehicles. So that's not great for Ole Miss. Uh, however, he contradicted himself. As for more details, he shifted the timeline to the fall of 2014, uh, asserting he did not receive payments before September or October 2014 after he had verbally committed to Ole Miss. Um, he also suddenly remembered, here is what I was thinking of, Will, that his sister witnessed one of these payments and allegedly met Phyllis when she drove Leo Lewis to location one for the meeting. Despite multiple requests from the university, um, Leo Lewis's sister has consistently refused to cooperate or provide any objective documentary evidence supportive of her brother. So basically it says because he couldn't establish his timeline correctly, because his sister won't talk, uh, does not hold up to scrutiny, therefore the $500 cash payments did not happen, a little flimsy on the evidence there. Evidence of contact, not good. Able to describe her appearance, not good. Able to describe two of her cars, not good. Uh, so that's that's not great. Um, we talk about how Leah Lewis's stepfather doesn't remember him mentioning this. Um, there's a gap in details. He can't remember how many times he met her, where the payments took place. Stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of ticky-tacky. Something tells me the NCAA is going to believe that those payments took place regardless. Um, let's move on to B, allegation number 16C, the, the $10,000 payment. This is, this is where that quote came from, the most headline-worthy one. Um, it says, he's given two distinct timelines of the incident. Both are contradicted in several important ways. As a result, the factual... Uh, sorry, I lost my place there. Record indicates he did not tell the truth about that afternoon, meaning the day in which he received the $10,000. Um, basically, it seems like Ole Miss's argument hinges on a few different things. Um, at one point, he said he received a wad of $100 bills. At one point, he said it was a bag of money, like, uh, you know, bag man, the term we're familiar with. Um, he said different times of the day that this meeting happened. Um, you know, at one point, he had said early afternoon. And I think Ole Miss tried to cast some doubt on the early afternoon timeline by saying, you know, the uh, the lawyer did this work task, sent this email at such and such a time, blah, blah, blah. Um, Leo's changed his story, whatever. Um, let's see, the email thing. The given and given. What's given and given thing? Uh, the, so he asked for the 10000 in right. one of his assertions and then in the other one he was just given the tip right it's very weird he in one interview he told the ncaa that he asked the booster for ten thousand dollars and another one he said the the booster offered it um it, they get into the the granularity of his finance it was interesting so finally the likelihood that leo lewis received a ten thousand dollar payment from the booster 14 plus another $10,000 payment, which I think I mentioned earlier in the show, is kind of a footnote in this whole thing, is that at some point in the interview, he also claimed to have received a different $10,000. So that's strange. Um, in particular, Leo Lewis spent $6,885 of the money he received to make a down payment on a Chrysler 300 sedan. 
In addition, he claimed to provide his mother anywhere from 1000 to 3000 towards a down payment on a new home. It's pretty small down payment. People have been pointing out, kind of weird. Um, also, he suggested he bought shoes and clothes for himself and provided some level of support for his newborn daughter. Uh, by any analysis, expenses quickly exhausted $10,000 payment. There is no evidence he has access to twice that amount uh, from the other $10,000. To the contrary, his stepfather said that he wasn't able to make the payments on the Chrysler 300 after that initial down payment. Um, that's also confusing because if you remember the famous Leo Lewis bunking video, he's, he's in a GMC Yukon, or not a Yukon, maybe Yukon, some sort of big SUV. It's definitely not a Chrysler 300. So I don't know. be interested to see what's going on with that. Um, also, his mother said that she bought the stuff for his kid. It wasn't from him, so Ole Miss just kind of dragging him on being like a shitty dad on that one. Um, this is definitely my favorite part, uh, and this is this is prefaced by def- the funniest part of the NOA, or not prefaced, followed by. Um, so this, I'm, I'm quoting here from the response. The curious request for limited immunity, which Leo Lewis probably did not need because recruiting violations committed by a university booster would not usually render him ineligible at his current institution, raises the possibility that Leo Lewis was seeking to use the immunity process and his first interview to explain his access to large sums of money around signing day while while deflecting questions about the true source of that money and simultaneously harming his football team's rivalry in a very public way. Leo Lewis's social media response to the university's video announcing its receipt of the notice, which seemingly celebrates the negative publicity that followed the announcement, indicates that Leo Lewis enjoyed causing the university harm. And at that point, they embedded Lewis's tweet. Or if you, I'm sure we talked about it back at the time. He just tweeted a gif of the Joker. Uh, presumably, the implication is some men just want to watch the world burn. So that's that was definitely strange behavior uh, for someone that was simply you know trying to ensure purity and amateurism in college sports and all that. I mean, it did, that was definitely weird. He definitely seemed to be gloating about the fact that he was causing harm to Ole Miss in that one. Um, and we're, we're winding down here and I still, John, you there? I think, I still think we've lost John. John. All right, listeners. So you got, you got me and Will here. We're going to, we're going to finish this thing out. We're going to round it out. Um, and obviously we're going to be talking more about this as the summer goes on, still weighs out for many, any meaningful action on this. So we'll have plenty of time to make our predictions and all of that. But I did want to hit some of the most interesting stuff in the NOA. I think we definitely need to talk, uh, Will, before we wrap this up about the very strange text message um, that I, I don't know how Ole Miss really gets around this. I don't know how Ole Miss is able to say, uh, yes, contact occurred, but it had nothing to do. This is weird. It's this very, is weird. It's very weird. I'm, gonna, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I, I don't Not know. only about the contents, the people that it was sent between – who right. was addressed yes, to? Yes, not good. The person it was addressed to is not who it was sent to. It would appear. Right, and 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 maybe. Uh, Am I teasing it too much? No, I don't, I don't think you're teasing it too much. No, sorry. I, the only delay here is I'm trying to find because I don't actually know where in the in a way it is. I saw it on uh, on Twitter a lot by two yards in a cloud, who is a great great follow for sure. He's got a screenshot of it, I believe. Maybe not. Oh, I, I think he retweeted it. Sorry, I just gave credit to the wrong. To the wrong person entirely. Um, Gray Hardison is that who shared it? Gray Hardison, that that guy, that guy's pretty funny too. Belly of the Beast or whatever his name is. Uh, this is this is great pod. I know, guys. Sorry about that. Shout out to Wes and Dean, last yeah, big, week's guest. That was big I enjoyed out. listening to that always, as I always do. Always good. Uh, yeah, do some just vamp it up a little bit, but we'll do some vamping yeah. while I'm looking for this. Quit, Wes, if you're listening, quit using my okay, pseudonym right, that was good. on the air. Okay, thanks. That's I don't all think I need to use say. it on the air, but yeah, that was good. Great job. No, vamping. the RJ one. I don't think use it on the air though. Just oh, he didn't. Okay, so great job vamping there uh, by Will. Thanks, buddy. Maybe it might have a bright future in this industry. Um, so today, in the saddest text message ever, is the uh, the tweet I was looking for. So this is a text. From Booster Fourteen, the uh, the former owner of ten thousand dollars uh, <laughs> is the only way I know how to describe him. Phyllis's boss. Phyllis's boss. Yeah, we'll just call him Phyllis's boss. Um, this was sent on the day Lewis alleged to have received thousand dollars around four p.m. So this is the day before signing day. Um, and so, while I say this looks bad for Ole Miss, it also doesn't make sense with Lewis's story. This, the fact that he sent this message 
on the day he claims to have been paid ten thousand dollars or to have the day that leo lewis claims he paid him ten thousand dollars doesn't make any sense let me read the message um so it's from phyllis's boss and it's to barney and i think we have to assume it was to a group message that also included leo if we're if it's to make any sense it, 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 it reads leo lewis i need you to call me immediately we met and agreed upon things not good and i see a former coach of yours on the institution 13 board um I think this is LSU because Mississippi State is Institution 10. So I think it's LSU saying he spoke with you after school and you were going to LSU, question mark. What is going on? You swore to me on your daughter. Please call me. You owe me that. Thanks. So obviously the message being sent there by the booster is there has been some sort of an exchange for goods. Owe Uh, me. You owe me, right? But at the same time, how does that make any sense? It, Lewis There's is now time. claiming that he received that message before he met up with the booster to get the $10,000. I don't know how that makes sense either. But honestly, reading that message... It's a little damning. And it's too Barney. I think I feel like the COI is going to see that and say, God, there's so much smoke here. There's just like... And maybe maybe this does... You know, we're we're, we're, we're going to wrap up right here. Maybe this does come back around on state somewhat, but I don't think it does without first running directly through Oxford in a very damaging way. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I still think two-year bowl ban is definitely in play. I and mean, we talked about throughout the course of the show what we think Ole Miss's strategy and all this is um, to, to get certain allegations thrown out and hopefully avoid that two-year bowl ban, avoid that show calls. Um, I don't think it's a given by any means. Definitely some interesting stuff in the uh, in the response and, and probably a lot of stuff we forgot to mention and maybe stuff I haven't even seen or read about yet because it is 124 pages and people are still probably coming through it. Um, also a lot of funny stuff around the way Mississippi State's handled this, around Steve Robertson and Elite Dogs and all of that. We'll probably save that for another episode. But uh, definitely a lot. Definitely a lot to think about. The GA, final thoughts, Will. What's on final your thoughts. Well, I just um, – I was, I was having flashbacks to last summer when we were doing this, and I remember a quote uh, I stated then, which maybe I'm thinking here is applicable if it's – if Mississippi State is ever to get in trouble for everything that they've made Leo do here. And that is that the moral arc of the universe is long – but it bends towards justice. And that's, that's I don't cool. know if I agree with it or not, but I'm hoping that's true in this the, case. The Martin Luther King, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great quote. I do I do love that quote. Um, so, yeah, let's keep that in mind, Ole Miss fans. Um, honestly, I, I have a hard time saying this is worse than it was. I mean, I think the unknown, unnamed I thought this was going to be worse than what I read. Yeah, you thought Ole Miss was going to have less of a leg to yes, stand on. I thought yeah. so. Yeah, I, I think Ole Miss does a good job in this response. And, and as John mentioned earlier, RIP John, fuck, wouldn't that be terrible if he had Dude. died on the podcast? Oh. John, please call me, buddy. I, I'm hoping he fell asleep or something. Or, or something. Um, he's yeah. only been working 14 hours. Right, he's, been, he's had a long day. He deserves, I hope he's asleep at his keyboard. Sweet dreams, John. This is, a, this, is now, this is now an ASMR podcast to help John sleep. No, I'm just kidding. That was so weird. That's definitely the first time I've whispered on the podcast. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, sorry for any damage I did to your eardrums or your speakers. Um, but no, I, I think Ole Miss came out swinging. I think that they did a good job of casting doubt on Lewis's credibility. And yet the evidence is not at Ole Miss's favor. There are a lot of phone records and a lot of weird things going on in this case that Ole Miss really has no answer for. Um, and honestly, if you push me on a prediction, I would say the NCAA airs more on we think these imply guilt than we think the credibility is not enough to do anything about. We'll see. We're going to find out. Um, and as I said, we're going to be talking about this a lot as the summer goes on. So don't think that uh, you listen to this one episode and you can just stop listening because we're, we're pretty much going to be the uh, the NOA response NCAA COI podcast for the rest of the summer. So don't worry. Um, thanks again. To my good friend Will for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always welcome. Uh, got a face for radio. Is a not nah, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. That's a little good nature ribbing. Uh, to my co-host John, who we haven't heard from in twenty or thirty minutes. Uh, oh, there he is. Okay, What's wait, up? wait. You're back, John. We, did you fall asleep? What was going on? Uh, we're bouncing around here. 
Okay. All right. All right. So John's going to act like he wasn't asleep. That's fine. I understand, you know, when you first wake up, you feel awkward about it. It's fine. No, it's been good. John, you want to add anything on this? Obviously, we're going to talk about it a lot in the upcoming episodes. Yeah, we got the whole summer. Um, yeah. At some point, we'll cover I, – I want to cover why it took him four years to get tough. Yeah. But we'll yeah. save that. And that's a, that's, a, that's a hypothetical for another day. I feel like um, – Honestly, just just having this 124 page document has has exhausted my my hypothetical ability. So I feel like I need to get away from some evidence and just get back in my my BS zone uh, to try yeah. to conjure up what possibly could have been going on the last four years. Um, but once again, thanks to Will, thanks to my co-host John for uh, joining me, just like every week. Um, of course, if you're listening to the show, we appreciate it. You can check out our website at landsharksafterdark.com. Follow us on Twitter. All that stuff, uh, rate and review on iTunes, that'd be great. Uh, help us help us get found by some new listeners, but we, we, we do appreciate you. We like doing this, it's fun. Um, I feel like we've been waiting on this for so long, so it's nice to finally have something and actually be able to talk about it. Um, and we'll talk about it again next week. So for now, for Will, for John, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.